Chapter 18 of The Apostle of Alaska The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schampf. The Devil Abroad. These fall months were like the calm before the storms, which always raged during the midwinter months in Alaskan waters. With the month of December commenced the medicine work and the club work, with all its abominable and disgusting ceremonies. On the 1st of December, the head chief came to the captain of the fort and told him that his young daughter, the Big Finn, had gone to the moon for her education and would be back in a month, and asked him to persuade Mr. Duncan to suspend his school during that month as it would interfere with their work, and he did not like having the children pass by the house, going to and from school, as it broke the spell of their mysteries. If he would do this, they would all come to school afterwards, but if he did not the medicine men might shoot the children as they were on their way to school now this going to the moon was of course only a put-up game they all know better they simply hide the child away somewhere in the forest for a month when she has disappeared they go around with a mysterious air and sing weird songs a kind of heathenish hysterics comes over the whole camp they pretend to know just when she's coming back the whole tribe is gathered on the beach looking for her when she suddenly appears coming around the point on a raft stark naked they now rush out into the water to take her off the little raft she makes all kinds of funny gestures as if she wanted to get away and go up into the air again they then tie her with a medicine man's rope and butcher a dog she pretends to eat the raw dog meat smears the blood around her mouth and on her breast and arms runs with her arms stretched out and moving them up and down as if she tried to fly around to all the houses in the village followed by the crowd at some house she gets up on the roof with the people after her holding her back from going to the moon again when the captain laid the request of legaic before mr duncan and asked him to give in to them in this matter his answer was not for a month not even for a day will i stop satan has reigned long enough here it is high time his rule should be disturbed the second officer of the fort should not have said what he did i think you are making a great mistake sir in not giving in to them you do not know what you are doing you ought to respect their superstitions it is likely that bloodshed will come from this well sir said duncan i thank you for your advice which by the way i did not ask you to give i may not know what i am doing but i think you do not know what you are talking about if blood will be shed it will certainly not be yours anyhow i suppose you mean mine but as to my own blood i will be responsible for that sir one thing i know whether blood will be shed or not and i don't believe it will be i never could afford to make a compromise with the devil and i never will that is mr duncan through and through it was his policy in the beginning it has been his policy all through his life it is his policy today no one can move him an inch when he thinks he is right and has laid out his course to follow when legaic that night came for his answer and found what it was he begged the captain to ask mr duncan to stop for a fortnight anyway but by this time the captain knew better than to run his head up against a stone wall and told the chief it would be of no use to speak to mr duncan about it again the day the girl was coming back the chief's wife hailed mr duncan as he was going into the schoolroom she said the chiefs were all at her house 
and had sent her to ask him if he could not dispense with the school for just one day no not for an hour the bell does so disturb them could you be so kind as not to ring the bell to-day no i cannot do that if i did not ring the bell the scholars would think there would be no school and would not come well you could ring it softly not so hard no if i ring it at all i will have to ring it as usual so they can hear it she cried and went away seemingly much dejected at the failure of her mission mr duncan struck the steel used for a school bell and says he is inclined to think that if anything the bell was clanging a little more lively that day than usual and no one who knows mr duncan doubts that for a moment only about eighty scholars came to school that day the rest undoubtedly knew what was coming and prudently stayed away nothing happened in the morning but in the afternoon just as school was to commence duncan on looking out of the door there were no windows in this school building noticed several indians coming in single file legaic first they all had their war paint on some wore masks when legaic came into the room the children all scampered out of the door the other indians seven in number followed legaic in mr duncan who perhaps guessed what was coming folded his arms and stood immovable at his place legaic first commenced to scold him because he had not obeyed him mr duncan simply answered that he had to obey god more than man and that god looked with anger and disgust on their heathen deviltry at this time some of the other indians evidently taunted legaic who was considerably under the influence of liquor for he now started over closer to mr duncan with an ugly-looking knife in his hand assuring him in the meanwhile that he was a bad man that he had killed men before and that he now had made up his mind to punish him he was brandishing his knife as his companion Kushwat encouraged him by crying kill him cut off his head give it to me and i will kick it on the beach mr duncan who thought his last moment had come threw a glance upward and then looked his intended murderer who towered above the little englishman firmly in the eye as he said yes you are a bad man i know it you would kill me who have done you no harm i who have come here only for your good he noticed that while he was speaking legaic's eyes were turning to the left of him that he seemed to waver in his evident purpose and he was more than surprised when he heard legaic commence to speak abusively to claw on turning to the left he saw claw who had come in without the knowledge of mr duncan standing with his right hand under his blanket a little behind him he then understood that legaic as he came up to kill him had observed claws coming in and that he from the position well knew that claw had a loaded pistol under his blanket and would shoot him dead the moment he did any harm to mr duncan growling and cursing legaic's followers left when he saw that he also retired well might mr duncan write in his diary that night i have heartily to thank the all-seeing father who has covered me and supported me to-day after legaic had gone mr duncan went out to ring the bell he was surprised to find the children all huddled together under the building the house was built on posts he told them to come in which they did and with them came also an old woman belonging to legaic's tribe duncan was a little nervous after the attack perhaps but nevertheless he distributed the books 
and was about to commence the instruction when there was a heavy thump against the door which he had just closed he understood perfectly well that this indicated an unfriendly action and expected his last moment had come as he felt sure that legaic had probably been taunted with having come and gone without doing what he said he would do but he nevertheless went to open the door legaic stood outside you said i was a bad man i wanted to show you i was not look at my teapots the tsimsheans were then as all the coast indians are now very anxious to obtain letters or certificates from white men especially officials as to their good character these certificates which they called teapots they value very much and are very prone to show them to visiting whites with whom they come in contact as they are generally unable to read writing sometimes scurvy tricks are played upon them by persons taking advantage of their ignorance i saw one such a teapot handed me in good faith by an old ignorant indian which read as follows this indian is an infernal thief he will steal a red-hot stove look out for him the poor old indian did not look as if he could steal a potato but legaic's teapots were undoubtedly bona fide obtained from the captain of the fort and others they were carefully placed between two pieces of board which were whittled down to the thickness of thick heavy paper he now handed this package to mr duncan no he said i don't care to read your teapots i know you better than the men who gave them but that does not make any difference i have no ill feeling against you i have come here to make you good come in here and sit down and i will help you to be better saying this he took him by the arm as if to lead him in this was too much for the chief with an indignant grunt he disappeared his feeling continued for some time to be of such a hostile nature that in order not to expose the scholars lice to dangerous attacks as they passed his house mr duncan deemed it best to close the school in the schoolhouse and accept the offer of another chief to use his house for a school temporarily over one hundred scholars were now in regular attendance the murderous attack of legaic took place five days before christmas on christmas day the scholars at mr duncan's request brought their friends and parents with them to school some two hundred gathered now for the first time did mr duncan attempt to speak to the people without having reduced his ideas to writing the attempt much to his surprise proved to be a complete success he explained to the indians to whom sunday was dress day and christmas day the great dress day why the white people celebrated this day as one of great joy to all people that god's son was born on that day he spoke again of the love of god and his hatred of sin and especially called their attention to the sin of drunkenness amongst men and profligacy amongst women of which they were guilty as he spoke he could see that his words went home to the consciences of many after his sermon he questioned the children on some bible truths which they had learned at school and then they sang two hymns which he had translated into their tongue and which the children had practised in school he accompanying the singing on his concertina thereafter the same kind of services were held in the schoolroom every sunday hymns were sung a short address given a brief catechization of the people on simple truths and then a closing song and prayer and this less than seven months after the indians had for the first time in their lives heard the gospel message End of chapter eighteen